0: This is episode 260 of the Beyond the Food Show, and today we're going to be talking about type 1 diabetes and intuitive eating, because yes, it can be done. Even for nutritional disease, we can practice intuitive eating, and we have a guest that has lived experience that we're going to welcome on the show. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going Beyond the Food Show. I'm Stephanie Dozier, clinical nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor, creator of the Going to Beyond the Food Method. And after a 25-year dieting career that started at the age of 12, I decided to say hell no to diet culture and hell yes to living my life to the fullest in my now body. And I made it my mission to help smart, successful women like you live confidently. Unconditionally, right now. Ready, sister? Let's do this. Hey, if you're new to the Going Beyond the Food show, our podcast roadmap has been designed with you in mind. With over 250 episodes available to listen, it can feel overwhelming to know which episode to prioritize for you. The podcast guide answers the top five questions women have when they enter our world of going beyond the food to unlearn diet culture. To get your free copy of our podcast roadmap guide, head over to stephaniedoziate.com forward slash roadmap, or use the hyperlink in the show notes. I'll see you on the other side. Hello, sisters, Stephanie here, your host, and yet we've not talked about this topic in 260 episodes, and I'm excited for many reasons for this podcast. Number one, because we're going to talk about nutritional disease and yes, the ability for you to integrate intuitive eating, even if you have type one diabetes. For those who don't know what type one is, just a little biology <laughs> lesson here. Type one is when your pancreas, that organ in your body that produce normally insulin for type one diabetes, there's none or very, very little insulin production, which means that the people that have type 1 diabetes have to inject themselves with insulin to control their blood sugar. And it's a life or death situation for them because there's no production of very little of insulin, which is the difference between type 1 and type 2. Type 2 um, are mostly diagnosed later in life, which means that they still have the ability to produce insulin, where type 1 are typically diagnosed early in life, and it's a lifelong situation of injection of insulin. And currently, the treatment plan for <laughs> type 1 um, includes a very, very, very restrictive lifestyle. And this person that I'm going to introduce you today, Lindsay Sarson, she's a registered holistic nutritionist, um, I actually met her in my professional program, uh, the non-diet mentorship program, and she came to me wanting to uh, create a business to help folks that have type 1 diabetes integrate the non diet approach. I was like, Oh, my God, I was so excited about this project of working with her. And she's graduating very soon now. And she's already out in the world with her program. She just launched her podcast. She's on a mission to change the care of type one diabetes. And her passion is oozing out of her poor. I can't wait for you to meet her. And I would hurt you if you, if it's, if you're a type one diabetic or, and this is where I want to bring this level of awareness, any type of health condition you may have that requires you to make adjustment changes, restrict food, you want to listen to this because for decades now, we've been told that with certain health conditions, there's just no choices, but to be on a diet. Here's the thing. That you are on a diet because for aesthetic reason you want to lose weight or that you are on a diet because you have type 1 diabetes, your brain reacts in the exact same way. It sees restriction as a potential danger and then you end up, even if it's for health reason, have the exact same consequence than aesthetic chronic dieter. Yes, you're right you have the same consequence, you obsess about food, you urge to eat the food, you resent the fact that you have to restrict the food, there's all kinds of consequence, And all of this has been lived up to now, in the shadow of the disease, nobody talks about this. Yet there's another way of engaging with, for example, type one diabetes, or any other health condition that needs food to be adjusted. What I didn't realize personally, because that's not my field of expertise, is that diet culture has totally taken over these care protocols for those health conditions. And that's what Lindsay's gonna show us today is how diet culture is now well embedded into the care for diabetic patients and not for the better, for the worse. The importance of emphasizing a healthy relationship to food, even on a diabetic care plan or any other health condition that require restriction of food. And then we're going to talk about her approach, which is all food fits, where we use the power of intuitive eating to support diabetic in their health strategy without creating that restriction mindset. It's a phenomenal podcast. You're going to be introduced to a phenomenal woman that I'm so honored to have been able to mentor through our program. And by the way, we have more of my student coming onto the podcast over the next couple months to show you how they're taking intuitive eating and coming along with us in this grassroots movement of dismantling diet culture and together we're going to blow up diet culture in years to come so proud of these people so without any further ado let's talk to lindsay
1: welcome to the show lindsay Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having
0: me. I'm very excited to create this cornerstone episode for our podcast because in 250 some odd episodes, don't even remember how many, we've never talked about specifically type one diabetes. So you are our first expert guest on this topic. But I want to get started with your own journey with type one diabetes, but also intuitive eating.
1: Yes. Well, I have been a type one diabetic for 31 years now. I was diagnosed at the age of eight, just before my ninth birthday. And throughout the past 31 years, there's been lots of changes within diabetes care. And that has greatly improved the quality of my life because of those changes. But my journey with diabetes um, wasn't always such a smooth one, and uh, that has a lot to do with the focus on food and our bodies that, well, I was exposed to at such a young age. Um, Living with diabetes, there's a lot of food awareness, and that can create a lot of food fears, and back in the day many years ago when insulin was a little bit different and our um, management strategies were were different the timing of foods and the amount of foods had a lot of focus and so as a child that really did I think influence or I know in retrospect influence how I began to feel about food And the role that food played into my life. And so there was definitely some fears surrounding food and some disconnection that was asked of me in order to be able to, quote unquote, take care of myself best, um, given the tools that we had at the time. I could say, though, such a benefit now is all the advances that we've been experiencing in diabetes, such as continuous glucose monitoring and insulin pumps, um, different types of insulin. All of these things have really provided us with more Uh, real life experiences and being able to adjust the types of foods that we eat, the timing of the foods, the amounts, those type of things. Uh, So I'm so blessed for for that.
0: How has intuitive eating came into your world with type one, I guess? Like, how did you hear about it? And what is your journey integrating it with your own care for
1: type one? yeah so I should backtrack for that. um so, as I mentioned, being diagnosed as a child, um there was definitely an awareness on food. a lot of that was centered around timing of meals and the Canada Food Guide living here in Canada. that's um what we are asked to follow. um but as I got into my young teen years um There was then the exposure of dieting, and um, there was more awareness and pressures of being able to use food not only as a way to support my diabetes, but as a way to influence my body, where as a female um, and a teen, I was becoming much more aware of thin ideals and beauty. And so that's when diet culture as we know it now um, really started to influence my life and my care. And so it was after trying all the different diets throughout the years, um, following the 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 trends of the time. Um I was born in the 80s, and so in the 90s, the low fat craze and all of those things into Adkins and whatnot. Um Diabetes was takes effort to manage, and when you're confronted or presented with a way that could, quote-unquote, support you, such as these diets and also um, help you look great or maybe adhered more to what the physical ideals were, it was easy for me. It was a soiree into um, trying those plans at, as well. And so I followed many different diets for many years. And I had a really hard time staying on plan for an extended period of time. Where throughout dieting, there was always that initial phase of being excited and enjoying what you're doing and thinking it's helping your blood sugars and um, feeling good about yourself. And then At some point after, I would experience a rebound where I would be craving foods and um, obsessing about food more and denying myself and feeling guilt and shame if I did start to eat those foods that were off plan. Um, And in doing that, in not being able to, quote unquote, stay on plan, managing my blood sugars became even more difficult. One, because I I hadn't been practicing those blood sugar management skills in eating those foods that I was now partaking in. And two, I also um, was eating an amount that was outside of what I was used to eating before, where I would be overeating a lot of those foods um, often um, to a point of discomfort, which diabetes-wise, can be very challenging to control with insulin. So I'm seeing two things
0: in parallel here. I'm seeing the traditional desire to be in a different body, which is the thematic of diet culture, which requires an adoption of a diet to lose weight and so forth. But I'm also running parallel the... Need for you to be mindful of what you eat because of type one diabetes. Is that correct? Yes. Storyline are running side by side.
1: Yes, one hundred percent. And a lot of that really came into play in my young teen years. Um, and there is diet culture within our diabetes care in the sense. Well, in in the way that food is often presented to us. Um, there, It's not always um, welcoming. Um, there's a lot of fear surrounding foods, uh, a lot of uh, foods to avoid. Um, if you are going to have something, it needs to be very limited and structured into your plan, which all makes sense, especially depending upon the type of um, blood sugar management program you were on at the time, but as the technology advanced and there was more freedom in being able to um, use your insulin in a way to support the foods that you eat, there was still uh, definitely a strong undertone of what we should or should not be doing.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: I think it comes from actually... Like a great place. I think it comes from a place of care, of player, a place of concern in wanting to make sure that our blood sugars are staying as closely within range as possible. The, the negative or the drawback of, of that is that it's not looking at uh, how those messages impact our relationship with food and how being on a diet or feeling restricted or being asked to avoid and limit foods is more hindering to our health than helpful. Uh,
0: okay, so if I'm hearing this right, is because diet culture has strongly influenced the way the average population will engage with food by making good and bad food, it has also infiltrated type 1 diabetes care in which food shaming became something prevalent, that certain food were good and bad and certain behavior were good and bad.
1: Yes. So I would say there's sort of two worlds to that, where it's not necessarily as much within your diabetes care team, like your endocrinologist or your dietitian. Um, I know in my experiences, I did experience that. Um, where there was lots of pressures for me to be following the exact amounts and foods I should be eating and when I should be eating them. I also have vivid memories of being questioned related to the amounts of food I was eating and how inappropriate those seemed. And so um, that messaging itself really stuck with me. And uh, that then parlayed into uh, more of the traditional diet culture and the diets that were surrounding that, um, and how I should be approaching food that I really need to stick to these rules and these guidelines. And if I was having a problem, then it had to do with me. Um, it wasn't the plan or the protocol itself.
0: Very interesting. So the philosophy, the disempowerment philosophy of diet culture has, taking roots in the approach to diabetes care?
1: Definitely um, from back when I was first diagnosed to today, yes. And although, as I mentioned, there are advances um, in technology that do support us being able to live and eat in a way that is more conducive to our own needs, um, the underlying tone is still one of rules and food avoidance Um, and, quote-unquote, wanting to be a good diabetic and doing what you should in order to take care of your health. And if you're not, there's a feeling of guilt, recklessness, shame, um, things that are not supportive or conducive of healthful promoting behaviors.
0: Very interesting. So in some way, we could say that a person with type 1 diabetes that lives in the in today's world of diet culture and also try to be in a different body size is hit twice as much by yes. that restriction.
1: Yes. Cycle of guilt and shame. Exactly. And there's an added complexity that I didn't experience until now because of social media and the popularization of healthism. Um The pressures to be doing the right thing or eating in a quote unquote good way are that much stronger. And so as amazing as our community is and as supportive as the diabetes community is, there's a lot of pressures as to how you're taking care of yourself. And if one method is better or more appropriate than another, and I feel there's such an important need to spread the message of the autonomy that we need to take back on our food and body, and that we really do have this innate wisdom to be able to take care of ourselves and empower ourselves to do so without feeling guilt or shame.
0: So let's talk about this autonomy and what restricting, even in the case of a type 1 diabetes, will do. So commonly, we know that carbohydrate is what typically, that you have type 1 or type 2, typically the one macronutrient that we go to is carbohydrate, the, the need for us to control carbohydrate. So even if you're not trying to diet for... Losing weight, you're dieting to manage your blood sugar, and you approach carbohydrate as a type one with restriction, you will have the exact same side effect as somebody who would control it for weight loss.
1: Yes, 100%. 100%. Can you talk to us about that? So, um, what happens with restriction is it changes our. Biological and psychological response. And it is in doing that that our drive to eat becomes stronger and stronger for those very foods that we were trying to likely limit or avoid in the first place in order to help our blood sugars. Except now these urges are even stronger and feel almost outside of our control where we can't just forget about the food um the food isn't going away and so we end up eating the food at some point but how that looks is so very different than if we remove this restrictive mindset
0: and let's say that we get that right we get the whole pendulum swing right the more we restrict the more we're going to swing back the other way right and then you're listening to this as a type one, type two, a regular person, right? You know what happened when you restrict, right? It worked for a couple of weeks and then it stopped working. When we lift restriction with an average person's intuitive eating, we don't have this notion of having to manage metabolism like in the case of type one, right? So talk to me about this transition that you did as a type one diabetic to intuitive eating and how did that work for you?
1: Yeah. So I'll preface this with my, my journey or entrance into intuitive eating, um, basically came from that feeling of desperation of needing to understand or wanting to understand why, although I was doing my best to follow all the plans, um, to manage my blood sugars, I would find myself swinging to this other side that Felt outside of my control. And so when I was first exposed to intuitive eating, I was looking through all the principles and I thought to myself, well, this all sounds wonderful, but how is this going to actually apply to me when I need to manage a disease? And so it was in beginning to look at it with intrigue and with this almost innate wisdom telling me like, Lindsay, this will make sense for you. There is a reason behind the struggles you've been going through that a diet is not going to address or sticking to this plan is not going to help help you with. And so when I started working through the principles of intuitive eating and they all started clicking and making sense, I began to realize that Although my journey would be different than a layperson who isn't struggling with um, a nutrition-focused disease, the mindfulness that we all need to create in food is still there. And that is so applicable to how intuitive eating can cross over into being helpful into managing my type 1 diabetes as well. There are tools that, that we can use, as I've mentioned, And being able to support our food choices. And it is so much easier in being able to support those choices using our blood sugar management tools when our relationship with food is improved. And, And that is where my eyes really opened with intuitive eating as an approach to be able to put that into place without having fear that my blood sugars were going to go all over the place because I could, one, be focused on how I'm viewing foods differently, and two, be able to apply those skills so that blood sugars were supported. And in my uh, program that I've developed in working with type 1 di- diabetics to help them become intuitive eaters, a key component of that is disentangling all of the blood sugar management strategies from that diet-entrenched messaging that we were taught. And so then we can learn um, the truth behind blood sugar-supportive nutrition strategies versus nutrition myths. Um, And... That component of my program is so essential in one, being able to help them feel confident in being in making food choices um, that are in line with their desires, as well as showing them how to manage their blood sugars using food combining tools, how to dose appropriately based on those foods. The two worlds come together. It's
0: brilliant. It's like for the regular person moving through intuitive eating and getting to the end with the gentle nutrition right, principle, right? We're mm-hmm. cleaning up the table. We're cleaning up the relationship to food to be able to talk about nutrition at the end. But first, we've got to do the work up front.
1: Exactly. Exactly. To create confidence that, okay this is something that is applicable and I'm not being reckless by um, following my own food desires, by eating in a way that feels natural to me now.
0: It's very interesting because I think you have a great expression there where you say that diet culture as impregnated, (laughs) indoctrinated Diabetes management care because looking at nutrition for type one diabetes, once you understand the mechanism of diabetes, is not that complicated. Mm. In the same way that gentle nutrition at the end of the regular person intuitive eating journey is not complicated. But we're so used to making it complicated. And I think yes. that should ten times worse in the world of type one diabetes.
1: Yes, um, for a disease that has you feeling very um, connected and in tune with yourself, we are so very disconnected from the way in which we are asked to be eating. And that's where a lot of the struggles come. Um, I've experienced it. And what I hear from my fellow type ones who experience it as well, um, that need to um, deny their hunger. Um deny their fullness, make choices that aren't in line with their actual wants um, and how fear plays a lot into that. And fear of blood sugars is key in that fear. And so if we can both work on improving our relationship with food, taking that restriction away while also supporting the strategies in which we can use to keep our blood sugars within range, it's, it's a huge win and it creates such a sense of ease and satisfaction with food with your body and just that goes beyond in in your life as as well i want to make sure that i
0: talk about this whole concept of fear and stress because we know that when we fear when we're anxious about certain things certain aspect of our life we have a bodily reaction that involves cortisol right Cortisol, for folks I don't know, is a hormone that is produced naturally by the body to help us adapt to stress. And uh, I'm curious, what is the impact of anxiety, stress, a.k.a. cortisol, to a type 1 diabetic? Because if we live into that world of fear of food, we're naturally being anxious and fearful, therefore producing cortisol. What's the effect of that on a type 1?
1: Yes, that is such an interesting point because stress is hugely impactful on our blood sugars and adding stress to what we are eating or guilt and stress because of what we ate um, compounds the blood sugar impact even more. And so creating a lifestyle that is so structured and rigid only adds to that stress, which then in essence makes managing those blood sugars, even outside of food, so much more challenging. And so by creating a more flexible, intuitive approach, we are working with our bodies, which is supportive of those blood sugars in which we are so concerned about keeping within range. So I'm curious now that you've
0: gone through intuitive eating and you're now um, a registered holistic nutritionist that focus on type one diabetic within the context of intuitive eating. So you're an expert at this. What has happened to your own blood sugar after going through the process of becoming an intuitive eater? Like when you became an intuitive eater and that became your lifestyle, what happened to your blood sugar?
1: Yeah. So it's been about four years now into this journey for me. And at the beginning of intuitive eating, and I was in a rebound phase, my blood sugars and my A1Cs, so that average glucose over three months, was up. It was in the seven to eight range. And that was because of the fluctuations, right? Now 4 years later my A1C's stay below 6 all the time and my most recent one was 5.1 like I I have such a harmonious relationship with food and with knowing how to manage my blood sugars with those skills, um, that there's not that challenge. Food is not the stressor that it once was. And I'm confident in being able to use my skills and eat in a way that is in tune with my needs.
0: And your body is responding to that by the HBA1C being the the, the kind of the gold standard for type 1 treatment, positively responding to that as well.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, With the continuous glucose monitors um, as a tool that we can use as well, um, that information is such a valuable tool to help you navigate those foods that you're reintroducing. So when you start habituating those off-limit foods, you then get to practice the skills and see real life what is happening. And so you can better understand your body which then helps you be able to adjust and dose appropriately um, and stay within range much more often than you would have been able to before and feel at such ease and have such satisfaction in eating in a way that's enjoyable for you instead of feeling so restricted by a diet or a forced way of eating for health. So can we
0: say that there's a hope for type 1 diabetic that all food fits?
1: absolutely absolutely i want that hashtag everywhere (laughs) because there's so much freedom and enjoyment in line with that and i would really love for people to feel less fear surrounding food and more enjoyment and satisfaction because it just goes so far beyond um the food itself and into other areas of our health
0: yeah because we are more than a blood sugar, right? We are a mental body, an emotional body, a spiritual body. And yes, a physical body, but there's so many other things we can do to help manage our call it nutritional disease. Is that a term? Nutritional disease? It should be, I suppose, yeah. (laughs) And and what we're saying here today is yes, it's about type one, but there is a, a slight variation for that for any disease that may have food as an element of treatment.
1: Yes. Yeah. And what I have a lot of people commenting to me um, on my Instagram um, is that they may follow me, but they're not type one, but they so relate to the things that I'm sharing um, and can connect with that, either because of their own personal experiences or a condition that they are trying to navigate through food and trying to do so without all the obsession and the fear.
0: And that's where you talked about healthism, right? And we probably, we're coming to the end of our time here, but we probably could do a whole other episode on that. So you'll have to come back for that. Lovely. (laughs) So tell us a little bit more about where we can find you or if anybody listening that has a type 1 diabetic in their life, I would highly recommend you send that episode to them, like press the share button. And for those people listening, where can they find more about you and get to know you more?
1: Yes, so um, I'm very active on Instagram at The Intuitive Diabetic. Um, I share lots of stories and helpful insight on there. I also have a website, www.lindsaysarson.com where you can see all the services that I offer. Um, But in relation to type 1 diabetes and intuitive eating, I do have a freebie, the Finding Food Freedom Guide, which really helps introduce you to the principles of intuitive eating, but with a diabetes lens. And so you can see how this approach can be applicable to you. We'll put
0: the link and I think this is brilliant because there's so, again, so much fear that people won't even like go and find more unless like you spell it out for them. So I think this is brilliant here. So everyone, if I think this is going to be a great episode for you to share to other people in your life that may uh, be affected by type one. And you're one of the few specialists on that in the world. I don't know of anyone else that does what you do. Am
1: I correct? There's a few of us out there, but there's not many, no. Yes. Yeah. So thank you very
0: much, Lindsay, for having been here. And we'll have to have you back to talk about the context of autism and diabetes.
1: Thank you so much, Stephanie. It was so fun.
0: How amazing is she? <laughs> oh, I'm so excited about the change she's going about to bring into the world. And I want to ask your help. I want to ask for your help for all of you that want to help us get this message into the world. Go subscribe to her podcast, go give her a follow on social media, help her break through the noise of diet culture in the various marketing channels, especially if you're a health professional. We've got to support each other and especially people starting up in this field. So go help her subscribe to her stuff, listen to her podcast, share her podcast. Let's help her be successful so I love you sister and I look forward to hang out with you on the next episode hey you if you enjoy listening to this show you have to come and check conquer and thrive it's my monthly coaching program that comes with expert courses that will show you exactly how to take this life-changing work and apply it into your own life we teach you how to change your mindset, eat intuitively, and master body confidence. That you've decided to stop dieting today, or years ago, Conquer and thrive will help you take this knowledge deeper into real life practices. It comes with access to me as your coach and my team of experts. Join us by simply going to www.stephaniedodzie.com forward slash join. I can't wait to meet you inside our Conquer and Thrive community. I'll see you on the other side.